Do you want to become a better songwriter? Well, we created a very simple 10-minute songwriter personality test, and it's going to help you better understand who you are as a writer, and it's going to help you in the writer's room when you're writing with other writers, because you're going to be able to identify what kind of writer they are, maybe even have them take the songwriter personality test. If you're curious and you want to take the songwriter personality test today, just visit songwriterpersonalitytest.com or go to the link on the writingworship.co website. Welcome to the Writing Worship Podcast, a place for kingdom-minded songwriters to grow in their craft and community. Well, welcome to the Writing Worship Podcast. We are back hey. with the one, the only, Sharon Doc Bird. Here it is. Here I am again. <laughs> I don't know how they let me back in, but here I am. <laughs> you did so well on the last episode. We needed to have you back. So super oh. grateful for you. And I'm also joined, of course, with my wife, Chrissy mm-hmm. Nordoff. Hi. Hi, guys. Still in her What's bathrobe. Up? From the last episode. <laughs> she actually hasn't changed this whole no, time. I literally haven't changed. We'll let you guys in on a little secret. We record these, we batch record these episodes. Don't tell anybody, Mm-mm. but we batch record these episodes. So it's our little secret. It is our little secret, <laughs> but that's the only way we can get things done. All right. So let's continue on. So, Sharon. You uh, found us, I don't even know how you found writing worship in the writing worship community, but do you have a little story, a little backstory about that? I do. Yeah. I found the writing worship Facebook group during the pandemic, during the lockdown of 2020. Mm -hmm. And it was a time where everybody got to slow down, got to, wasn't going anywhere. So here I am just browsing Facebook. I honestly don't remember how I found it. But when I did, I saw that we had some friends in common, Chrissy, like uh, Corey Voss Mm -hmm. and a couple others. But I remember remembering like Corey, I'm like, oh, that name sounds really familiar. I think Corey has written with her. And then I joined the group and just really fell in love with the community. I was able to build relationships with people that were doing what I love to do and Mm -hmm. write songs and specifically writing songs uh, for the church and of worship. And yeah, I came to the conference, the very first conference in Mm -hmm. 2021 and got to meet you guys in person, which was so special. And I believe the following year, beginning of 2022, I did the mentorship, which was Mm -hmm. amazing. I had two amazing mentors in Matt Crossan and Ryan Hall Mm. and just continued to fall in love with the community of songwriters, of worship leaders. It can be such a lonely journey Mm -hmm. (laughs) if you you don't have that community around you physically. And so I found that community virtually all the way here (laughs) in New Jersey. So... (laughs) So the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, here and here we are. You're on the here podcast. It's not that hard. <laughs> Listen, so just take me back to your back when you were looking for a community and you found yeah. it on Facebook. What were you looking for? Why were you looking for connection? Were you a songwriter writing mm-hmm. for your church? Uh, were you wanting to grow in your songwriting craft? Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. kind of what, where were you emotionally, yeah. spiritually at that, in that place? Honestly, I think it was a, I don't know if I was out there specifically searching for something, but it is and continues to be, it was and it continues to be a gift I never knew I needed, but now I could never live without, <laughs> you know, it had brought that maybe misconception of competition or like the music industry is all about, they're not any different from anyone else. And kind of like all of these misconceptions about, it's really that scarcity mentality that there's only a certain 
There's only so much to go around. And I feel like in the writing worship community, specifically that community, it's not just about creativity and songwriting, but it's truly kingdom songwriting and creativity, meaning that there is an endless supply for everyone. And there's a seat at the table, like we always say. And it was just so refreshing to be in a community that held the same values as I did. I am um, still a uh, worship leader and songwriter. And during 2020, that's when I started really writing corporate worship songs again. I had done it in college and kind of fell off and had done certain indie projects on my own. But for some reason, the Lord laid it on my heart in 2020 to start writing those corporate worship songs again and still write other things and for other artists and stuff like that. But it's just in this community, it's just kept that fire it going to keep writing what basically documenting what is happening in my expression of the local church. And it's just been beautiful to see Blossom. I have goosebumps just hearing you share mm-hmm. about your experience, Sharon, and knowing like, I don't know, it's just beautiful that you're experiencing what we were hoping to facilitate, which is trying mm-hmm. to make room for people to have space and opening up some doors, you know? Why is that so important to you, Chrissy? Well, one of the things the Lord told me a long time ago was be what you need. And I say that all the time, but mm-hmm. but that one thing, that's one of our values because making room at the table, that's one of our values because I think because I experienced so much opposition myself. And I was just in a right yesterday and we we're talking about how it's even better to have a closed door than to push a door open. And it's just, I don't know. There's just this, there seems, it seems harder than it needs to be sometimes in this Mm -hmm. whole world of music. And I don't know why, I don't exactly know why, but I think some of what you said is true. The competition and that mentality of there's only a little bit to go around and you have to Mm -hmm. fight your way in if you want to have a piece of the pie. And I just... In my heart of hearts, like I just know there's another way. And I know that what I see in the Bible and the way that I see the disciples operating and the church, the early church operating, had a different mentality than that. And we are exploring. And of course, we haven't, it's not been perfect. I'm not saying that by any means, but we're learning. We're learning Mm -hmm. together as we grow as a community how to do that in a pure way. And that was something that was repeated over and over during our last event was um, Ryan, Ryan Hall called it out at one point in time, just saying, Lord, protect the purity. And I think that's, that is very much something to pray for because yeah, I just, I'm thankful for our community too. You know, like I feel what you're feeling. And I think, I don't know, there's just nothing more important than family. And yeah, musically, that's true as well, in a musical mm-hmm. sense, in a spiritual sense. And and I just, I feel at home in our community too. And I'm glad that, I'm glad that you do sharing. So yeah. we thought you were awesome. The first conference that we Aww. had you at, we were like, oh my gosh, that girl Sharon is so cool. I still remember... You're going to make me cry over here. I still remember. Well, that's our goal is to make you cry at least once. (laughs) It's not that hard, actually. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I still remember the first conference and the probably one of the first psalmings you stood up and you started to lead one of the verses. I don't remember if it was the first psalming or the second one, but it was right away. We could just hear it in your voice. Yeah. So Not only is it you have that talent and that gift to sing, but what it's what you carry with your voice. Mm-hmm. It's what's behind the voice mm-hmm. that we saw right away. And mm-hmm. we could say it's something in the, I think it's the Holy Spirit just kind of is in it in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and then of course we got to know you and it was congruent with what we sensed. <laughs> and then uh, we were like, and she likes to laugh. 
and she likes to laugh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, that's that's so sweet that I don't even remember the first psalming at the first. So much has happened, <laughs> but um, in our in our time together. But but yeah, I just that first conference was so life giving to me, and meeting you guys. You know, again, it's it's um, one thing to see someone's public persona displayed on social media or a highlight reel, but to get to hear your heart during the conference and spend some time with you. I was just so grateful that, like you said, it was congruent with what I observed from afar, that it was the same. And and I just want to echo what Chrissy said and what Ryan was calling out about the purity of this community. And that is the defining mark of this community for me that I love. I, I mean, there's so many great values, but I would say for me, that is pretty high up there. Almost it might be number one as is so important because there's so many creative communities, right? There's so many songwriting communities, programs, things that you can sign up for, you know, whatever. But what I love about your hearts is is that purity and then that protection of the purity and of the heart of truly the things that matter. So mm, mm. I thank you guys. I thank you guys for pioneering that and protecting that. You've modeled that so well and it's just continued, I think. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Sharon. Appreciate thank that. Well, today we're actually talking about something similar. We're going to be talking about building a songwriting culture mm. and we're going to be playing a a panel, not a panel, but a, a a teaching that Robbie Busick led at our writing worship conference last October, last September, 2022, and a great talk from his experience at Bethel Music and how how they developed their songwriting culture and how they impacted. I know Sharon, you've attended mm-hmm. one of their, I believe it. What was that called? The Practicum. Yeah, the Bethel Practicums. Practicum. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Robbie, Robbie was actually somebody that we, again, love, adore, respect, mm-hmm. honor. He was one of the ones that um, participated in the conference, also listening to all the songs that were written that, that week that we chose six of to record, or not record, but sing and lead worship. So that was really fun to have him involved. But you also have your own experience, Sharon, because... I know you are doing everything you can to grow and develop a songwriting culture with your worship team at church. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, yeah, my church is called Kingsway Church up in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. There's two locations, Cherry Hill and Glassboro. And I have the privilege of stewarding the sound of the house. That's what we, that's mm-hmm. what we always say. We're not trying to just write a cool song or cool lyrics or melody, but it's truly documenting what God is doing in his people at this local expression of his bride. And it's it truly is stewardship because we have so many talented musicians, songwriters, producers, people just in our house that it would just be a shame not to coordinate them, organize how to release the music that God has given us. And yeah, it kind of, if I'm going to be honest with you, it kind of started on accident. <laughs> it started with a song. It just started with a song. And our first release was called Kindness. And it was a song that I had written with a fellow worship leader here during the pandemic. And we had started singing it in our church and our church loved it. And we were like, I don't know, maybe we can like record this one day. Like that was kind of like the the thought, one the one day idea. And then after a service, our production leader, Alex, leaned over and I was like, hey, like I just recorded that. And I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> like didn't think anything of it. You know, it was like a live recording. It was like really rough and whatnot. And he was like, I think there's actually something really special about this specific recording because it was in our church. It was the mm-hmm. first time we had ever come into the building after being on lockdown. We were not gathering for seven, eight months. And so it was like a really special capture. And 
sure enough, like we took it into the studio, we cleaned some things up and just released it. And I had this image of these ships in the water and just the breath of God blowing and breathing on these ships. And these ships were the songs that are from this house. Mm. And it wasn't, wasn't like we had to build a motor or a rudder or anything like that. We just literally had to be just in put the, the sails water. Up. Ha- be in the water, the put the up. sails up. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then we just kept releasing songs <laughs> and and God just has kept breathing on our little ships, you know, and taking them across the world. It's been amazing to see churches in all over the world, you know, Scotland, like have been singing our songs and it's it's just amazing what God does with just a simple yes, a simple obedience. And so, yeah, we now I actually have a songwriting workshop coming up this Saturday and just really trying to foster that space for people to collaborate, to understand that you actually get more done when you collaborate Mm. instead of compete. Mm -hmm. And it's just been a fun journey again, (laughs) not perfect. It's kind of like building the plane while it's in the air type Mm -hmm. of uh, feeling. But when the Holy Spirit is that wind, it, he's going to take it wherever he wants it to go. Mm. And it's just up to us to be sensitive and obedient. That is so well said. Yes. So well said. And uh, we've been watching how you've done that and how you've mm. put your sails up and mm. just stewarded the resources that God's given you. And to yeah. see it travel around the world, we are uh, just just blown away by uh, what God can do. So you yeah. are you are definitely shining wonderful light up there in Cherry Hill, and we're uh, we're just grateful to to see what God does and and to champion you and champion yeah. your church. So, yeah. um, well, wait. thanks thanks for sharing that, Sharon. We're going to jump into Robbie uh, leading a, a teaching at the Writing Worship Conference on developing a songwriting culture. It's going to be a good one. Hopefully y'all know why you're in here. <laughs> I know Eric was asking me this morning, what is your title? What are you talking about? So it's kind of hard for me to nail down because I've done a lot in the last 10 years and I get calls about all different kinds of things from should my church start a label? Should my church start a publishing company? Do I release an album? What do we do if we want to release an album? How do I know if my songs are good enough for an album? All of that. So I feel like a lot of that is encapsulated in a lot of what I've done over the last 10 years. So my name is Robbie Busick and I've been in Nashville for about four years. And before that, I was in Redding, California at Bethel Music. My wife and I moved out there shortly after getting married in 2011, and we attended the school of ministry there. And then your third year of ministry is an internship. And so I did the internship with Bethel Music, and that turned into a job. So that was back in 2012, 2013. If you look at an album timeline and you're familiar with Bethel Music, it would have been like, for the sake of the world, you make me brave days. So that was kind of when I I joined and we were very small. Bethel Music was four or five employees at the time when I joined. And now I think we have about, they have about 60. I say we, it's still my family. I left a year ago just to pursue more of this type of thing and consulting for people, for churches, for artists, for writers. And I'm loving that, that part of my life for sure. I'm just sharing a little bit about my story and background and developing a songwriting culture in your churches and in your communities. So so when I started, I, I was a worship leader in the school of ministry and at the church. That was That's still my number one passion is writing songs and leading worship. And But I got kind of wrapped up in the business side of everything. Bethel Music Publishing was the job that I started out of my internship. So I learned all about copyright and licensing and gosh... We were still gaining our sea legs back in those days, believe it or not, even though we had some massive songs. 
it was more like God was just pouring out his favor on what was going on, but we were all just trying to figure it out as we went along, right? So I remember coming to Nashville, they bought me a ticket to an admin conference here and said, go and pretend like you know what you're doing. <laughs> and and that's really what it was like. We were just had to rely on God for every single step of what we were doing. So I did publishing for three or four years. I never really stopped doing publishing, but I was an extrovert and I was stuck behind a computer screen for eight hours a day and it was not working for me. So I went to our CEO, Joel, and I just said, hey, I'm so grateful for this job and I'm so grateful to be a part of this family, but I feel like I could be of better use. Uh, What if I did this job? And so I just pitched a new role and it was on the label side with albums. And so I started managing the production process of albums, which means I was managing at a high level anyone who touched the creative process. So it was, whether it was producers, whether it was a mix engineer, the mastering engineer, the creative team, the marketing team, the stakeholders who make the final decisions like the executive producers. And so I learned that role really well, kind of worked with our team to build a timeline for when we needed to make the calls we needed to make to make sure that the album's released on street date type thing. Loved that job as well. But again, I'm more of a creative than I... I, I'm that weird unicorn that can be administrative, but I'm also a creator. And so like, my favorite part of that job was when I started like taking in the songs from the artists and the writers and being asked to pilot our songwriting listening sessions for Brian and for Joel. And so I'd sit in, in the rooms with them. We'd listen through the songs, we'd take notes, and then I would liaise the feedback back to our artist roster, which is not always fun. Having to tell an artist that a song's not landing on the album. I don't know how I got that part of the job, but I did. <laughs> I, I didn't have to do that very often, but when I did, it wasn't fun. So I learned a lot just about like writing a song with the voice of the church in mind, right? Specifically how to determine, and at the time I could be wrong about this, but as far as I know, there weren't other churches at the time doing both compilation albums where the church is the artist, we can name those, but also doing solo artist albums. So we had to learn how to develop a different set of, a different mindset, right? When we approach a solo artist album that's worshipful or has some worship songs on it versus when it's a compilation worship album where every song is meant to be picked up by the church. So all of that to say, I learned a lot in those years and I realized that's where my passion came alive was in that creative songwriting process. It's where I built a lot of my own ability to write way better than I was. And So I say all of that to say that kind of in my traveling back and forth from Reading to Nashville, I realized there's whole departments in publishing companies and labels where this is what they do. They curate songs, they steward songwriters for the church and for the gospel. And that is what really excited me. So that's what still really excites me. So in 2018, they had been potentially thinking about having a presence in Nashville one day. And the Lord, even separately from Bethel Music, had been showing me and my wife like, hey, this is the next step for you is to move to Nashville. And it was a lot closer to our family. We're originally from Arkansas. So just felt like it was that time. And so went to them and they're like, yes, we need to do something, but it's not time yet. And so, you know, I was just trying to figure out what to do. Almost a year later, they came back to me and said, hey, we're ready if you're ready. So that was like noon, I think on July 26th. And that night, I say, I remember the date because that night was when the fires hit Reading. And that night we're throwing everything in our van and we're, we're evacuating from the city. And my family has never been back. 
Like that was our last night in the city. And I kind of, it was a, our, our house is okay. We were fine. Some people, it was, it was a horrible thing, but at the same time, a lot of beauty has come from it since. Right. And I kind of joke, it took like, it took a fire to get me out of writing, (laughs) but he really does lead us and he shows us and he guides us. And I'm by no means insinuating that God caused the fire, but I do think that he'll use things to speak to us. Right. So moved here in 2018 and began just more trying my best to establish the creative publishing side of Bethel Music in Nashville, creating the the bridge between our artists who wrote for their albums to our artists that write all the time and really kind of switching the narrative or mindset of we're just artists, but we're artists that can write songs. We are songwriters that write for the church, that we're songwriters who can increase our influence and increase think, the kingdom of God beyond our own name on an album. And I realized that that's what I was actually passionate about for the church at large is every church has a voice. Every church has a unique identity and a unique voice, right? So in developing a songwriting culture for your church, here's my segue. That's kind of what I want to talk about today is that's kind of my background. And if you guys have questions on any of that at the end, even if it's not specific to songwriting, but it's more about the process of creativity or anything like that, please ask me. But I'm just going to keep going so that I can get through anything and y'all just take notes on your questions and we'll ask them at the end. But in developing a songwriting culture for your church, I have some sporadic notes here, but I really feel we it's not just... I do not believe every church is called to record albums. I think for many churches, it would be a distraction from what their mission is. But most likely, if you're in this room, I do believe God leads by passion and desire. And he puts He puts things in our hearts for a reason, right? So if you're in this room, whether or not your church is called to that, you may and probably are, right? There's something inside of you that wants to create like God did in the beginning. And if you notice, he created with words, right? So if we are made in his image and we are the body of Christ, our job is to carry his image and look like what he looks like and do what he does. He created with words. So what should we be doing? Right? So my first question is look for his image in your church Like, are you finding it? Do you see him in your church, right? Obviously, if we're attending somewhere, there's something that connects us to it, right? And we probably all could share a different reason why we go where we go. I think specifically, you should be able to answer why you go to the church you go to, right? That why is going to help you carve out your songs, it's going to help you carve out your songs because what it tells you is what's special about the community that you feel like you're supposed to be a part of. If you know what's special about the community you're supposed to be a part of, you're way more likely going to be able to pin words and lyrics that involve what God's doing in that community. Before Bethel Music in the beginning went out on tours, we, in the beginning, I don't know if they still do this, they might, but in the beginning, when we first started touring, we would call churches in every single city that we were going to, and we would say, what's God doing? Like, what do you feel like he's doing? We don't want to just come and blow up as Bethel music. This isn't just about our brand. We do believe God's put something inside of us to deposit in others, right? But what's he doing? We want to partner with that. Whether or not it ever shows up in a prophetic song during the set, we've prayed into it, right? Like, are you praying into what God's doing in your church? If you can't gain God's heart for your church through prayer, how do you expect to gain his heart through your songs, right? And I say all of that because I really do believe that if you're going to write songs for the church, your church should be your starting point. Big global songs for CCLI is not where you should start. They're very vanilla if that's what you try to write. And honestly, it doesn't meet your local body's needs. The songs that go beyond the church met that church's need first. Because what's going to happen? People are going to talk about it. They're going to be singing it. They're going to want to take it. And it met them where they were at, right? And it's not just about the people in your congregation. It's actually about God, I want to partner with what you're doing in my community, 
And when you give him a yes, he responds with favor. He responds with blessing it. He breathes on it. It's why songs like Waymaker come out of nowhere, right? Like that wasn't written to be a massive church song, but God breathes on things, right? It met that community's need where they were at. They needed to say he's a way maker because somebody needed a miracle, right? So I think that he created, so we create. We create the same way he does. We're made in his image. He breathed into us. We breathe out back to him right? But in breathing out back to him, it's not just giving him back what he gave us. He actually wanted us to know what it felt like to breathe out just like he did. He wanted us to share experience. He wanted us to share the experience of what it felt like to be a creator, not so we could play God, but so that we could so intimately connect with him. How else do you connect with someone than through shared experience, right? It's why Jesus said, it's better that I go because the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to be one with you, right? There is no way to be closer to him than to allow the Holy Spirit to indwell inside of us. So we accept his Holy Spirit and immediately eternity enters inside of us. We have access to wisdom far beyond our years. We have access to revelation far beyond anything we've experienced because we're tapped into the source. And are you tapped into the source? Because what's readily available is not always used. We're not always digging into the well. Many times, if we have to dig, many of our wells are so, and this is something our my pastor talks about, but many of our wells have been unjustly covered up church hurt, like personalities in your church, family members, friends, rejection, bad theology, whatever it is, you know, like we're going to encounter the world in our church. Part We should actually, you know, that if we're doing our job and evangelizing and bringing people in, right, and sharing the gospel with them, they're not coming in perfect. It's not something he requires. He said, come as you are, Right. He like, you're going to have mess in your church. So if you're tapped into the source, it's not that you won't get hurt, but our job is to tend to our wells. Like there is a well inside of each of us and rivers of living water are supposed to flow through us. We go to church so many times just to receive, but the whole point of receiving is that God's favor is poured on you, not just for you, but for others. He's in you for you. He's on you for others, right? So if we're not taking what we receive and pouring it out back to him, then we're of no kingdom good, right? We may have secured our salvation, but our walk with God is so much more than salvation, right? So, okay, that was a rabbit trail. That's, there's one rabbit trail. But I really believe that it is so important to stay connected to the source, to get the offense out of your well, to get the the dirt out of your well, because distraction and division come specifically in the church context to keep you from being a revealer of his glory, right? There's a reason that Revelation was written to the churches. It's the revelation of Jesus, the revealing of Jesus, But that audience was his church, his body. It's our job. It's our job. So specifically writing songs for the church, it is not about me getting my moment. It is not about me building a brand around myself. It is about bringing glory to the one who deserves it, right? That has to be where we start. So writing a song that you want to be the next big church song, just don't go there. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you won't critique something in a way or make it bring excellence to a song, right? Because there is craft and there's craftsmanship. I mean, if you don't think there's craftsmanship, then just go look at the Ark of the Covenant that God had them build, right? Where they were going to encounter his presence, right? Like we are built in a way that on this side of the cross through redemption, every single detail that he put into the Ark of the Covenant and the temple is nothing compared to what he put inside of us. But are we keeping our temples clean? Like if offense or writing for your own glory, like they couldn't help themselves but to make idols. 
and they wanted an intermediary. Worship is very important, but it's also very dangerous because it's so easy being a a mouthpiece to become what is worshiped. It's so easy. And so when, when you're writing these songs for the church, that would be just another thing I would really impress upon you guys is it's got to be about him. So with that, like I would say our main purpose is revealing his glory. That's why we write songs for the church. And in developing a culture of writing, I think your church has a voice in the same way that your church has an identity, your church has a voice, right? So I think I wrote down some things that are pretty practical that you guys feel free to write down if you'd like. But there are some consistent things that need to happen if you're going to develop a songwriting culture in your church. Things that people, especially if you are going to lead anything on a Sunday, you really need to do these things. The first is make sure that you have a good connection with your pastor and your leadership. Our job is to create a voice in the same... like. At Bethel, we always said the worship has half the service. I shared half a service with Bill Johnson. I shared half a service with Chris Valentin or whoever it was that was teaching that day or preaching. It's very important that you are aligned in the values and the culture of, of what your leadership has been given by God to speak to your community. If your songs aren't aligning with that, then you aren't going to last very long in that environment you're going to have a lot of church hurt or feel like you're rejected when really you just had a problem with alignment. And if you can't write songs that are aligned with what your pastor is preaching, then either you've got some chiropractic adjustments of your own to do, or you need to go to the Holy Spirit and ask him for wisdom and how to deal with that in your environment because they are your spiritual leadership. And it's something we're called to submit to, right? So if you know you're supposed to be there, and you're not aligning, you can ask me questions about that at the end. (laughs) Another thing would be connection to your church body and your worship team, right? So you've got your leadership that you're connected to. Back to leadership that you're connected to really quickly. You need to be listening. What is your pastor preaching about? What is coming out of his messages or her messages? What are they feeling impressed upon when they're talking to you? What revelation jumps out to you that's an offshoot of something that they're saying? Are you writing that stuff down? This is gold, right? And it could be, or in your quiet time, but off of something your your church was teaching, like something just like hits you a new way when it's read to you, right? Like in the Bible, when they're reading scripture or they're bringing your pastor is constantly, hopefully, or your leadership getting, finding new ways to communicate things that people need to hear. I mean, there's things we've heard of. If you've grown up in the church, there's probably not a message you haven't heard to some extent, right? It's no different with songwriting, right? There's probably not a song you haven't heard, but there's so many ways to say, I love you. There's so many ways to say, I believe in you, right? And learning how to hone in on a specific angle is really important because it's not just about saying something cool or in a new way. Our job, if we're revealing him, it is, I mean, the angels go around his throne saying, holy, holy, holy. And many of us believe that that's because every single time they circle the throne, there's a new revelation of who he is. There's something they're seeing that's different in a way that they didn't see it before. And every single holy, I guarantee you, is interpreted differently. It's not just the same word, right? If you've listened to Ray Hughes at all talk about, there's sound involved, right? Sound itself is light. It is... It, it, it carries eternity's message with or without our language being able to keep up with it, right? So sometimes a great artist knows how to emote through notes and song and sound without ever saying a word, right? Those are for moments, not for songs, but they can relate. So many songs are birthed from those moments. In fact, I would pay attention to that. Like if you're feeling something, not every church goes into a spontaneous part of their song, right? Like if they're leading worship, but many of them do. And if, if that is a place, if you're at a place where that's allowed to happen many times, that's the seed that's being birthed for a new song. Not always, 
but many times it is. I'd say 60 to 70% of, of Bethel's songs back in the day started as a prophetic song, right? Or a spontaneous moment in worship that they felt like, okay, I can't stop coming back to this. Like that's how you know, right? There's something on this. My spirit is aligned with something God's trying to reveal, right? So I need is this just for me because God's trying to reveal something to me or is this something you have for our community, right? And I think that if you have a good relationship with the Holy Spirit and you do what Tony said earlier, or I I think it was Tony, no, it was Jenny Riddle in her previous breakout was talking about test it, test it with your community, right? Is it resonating with them, right? And don't just go to your best friend, like really, really test it with your community. You know, that's really important. So, okay, back to off rabbit trail number two, connection to your church body and team. Get to know people in your church. There is nothing worse, in my opinion, than people that that stand on a stage and have no connection to the people they are so-called ministering to. It's even something I wrestle with where I come from, Right. You, God pours his favor on people. They rise up. He lifts people up and humanity makes, celebritizes it. So naturally you end up having to build walls between yourself and the very people you're called to because those people just want something from you all the time, right? But the danger, if you are on that stage leading, is to allow that to stay between you and the people you're called to because the woman with the issue of blood would never have been healed if Jesus distanced himself from the people. He did have moments where he got away, but he he allowed himself to be among them. Are you among your people? You cannot relate and write to people if you're not among them, if you don't know their stories, if you don't feel what they're experiencing, if you're not empathizing with them. How can you get the heart of God for people if you don't get to know them, right? Like if you keep yourself at arm's length, then don't stay in your green room after worship. Go sit in the pew or in the seat and hear the same message everyone is hearing. Talk to these people. Don't just rush out to lunch afterwards with the band because it's cool. Like, I'm sorry, I got a little preachy. It's just so important. Like, you don't realize how much that will affect your songwriting. It affects your songwriting. It affects your ability to communicate and reach people's hearts. And that is what Jesus did. He was among the people so much so that he got ridiculed for who he was around. But that's another message. It's super important. And this has been a thread throughout all of it. This would be number three about building a songwriting culture in your church is stewarding your own relationship with God, right? You've got your messages that are coming from the pulpit. You've got your messages coming from your pastor. What messages are you receiving in your quiet time? right? What are you hearing from the Lord? Are you pressing in? Does your quiet time just look like a bunch of God, I'm sorry? Because that really doesn't allow for much relationship. If you're married in here and all you ever do is apologize, you need to fix something. (laughs) I'm in the same way. Like there has to be like, I'm sorry is not, I love you. It's not. It's because I love you. It is not, I love you. If your quiet time with God is all woe is me and I'm sorry, it's time to move on. Okay, Nehemiah. (laughs) They're rebuilding the wall, right? And they begin to, for the first time after 70 years in Babylon, hear the law for the first time in 70 years. And they didn't realize the standard they weren't living up to. And their first response was, oh God, forgive me. I'm so sorry. Oh Lord, I repent. And he said, whoa, 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 whoa. This is a time to rejoice. Sometimes repentance looks like the joy of getting to be in his presence. Sometimes repentance looks like I'm not going to allow this to separate me from you any longer. You're going to write some amazing songs when you realize that right? That's when joy will enter into our worship songs again. We don't understand joy because we don't realize that joy is actually deeper than sorrow. You many times need to experience sorrow. There is repentance, but repentance isn't just lament. 
repentance is also, wow, it's turning around and going the other way. Can't just be about looking at the stuff that you were heading in the wrong direction towards. Repentance is turning and looking at where you are supposed to be going. But if you would never acknowledge where you are supposed to be going, you will go where you're looking. You will always go where you're looking. If you're driving a car, you're going to end up in the ditch if all you ever do is look at the ditch, right? If all you ever do is look in the rearview mirror, you're going to run into the car in front of you, right? Like repentance is not just lament. Repentance is, wow, I get to come before you. I get to joyfully experience your presence and you deal with me in kindness because his kindness is what leads us to repentance, right? So repentance in a song isn't always, I'm this horrible Christian, I'm meek and lowly and you're the one and all of this is about you. Actually, no. If this was all about him, why would we be created? It's actually about him in us and through us. It's about shared experience. God created us to share an experience and intimacy. That's what songwriting should reflect, right? So in your songwriting for your churches, what ways are you sharing experiences with God? Are you stewarding your your quiet time? And there is a fine line between bringing what happens in your secret place to the stage Sometimes you're supposed to, sometimes you're not. And that as you develop your relationship with the Holy Spirit in your secret place, you'll begin to be able to converse with him while leading worship or while singing your song or while writing your song, right? Many times I'll be in a song, right? Shout out to my publisher. I am with Curb Word and I just want to honor them because they, they're amazing. But in my that was not something they asked me to do, but I learned you give honor where honor is due. So this is not a marketing plug, I promise. But in the middle of some of my song rights, if I get stuck, I'll just say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say? This isn't just about me expressing my creativity. It's Holy Spirit, what are you saying? Like, what is the purpose of me being here today? I am not here by accident. These people are not in this room by accident. When you start gathering people to write songs for your church, they're not there by accident. God saw that moment before you were ever created and he already created an outcome for it, right? So tap into him when you're writing, tap into him in your secret place. Okay, this one, number four, understanding your role in the church. It's really important. Many of you are the leader in your environment. Some of you carry leadership, but are not leader in the way that the church establishes leadership, right? You are a leader, no matter what, because you carry Jesus inside of you. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said, go and make. Exactly. Which, are our songs doing that? Are we making disciples with our songs? That's another rabbit trail. I'll probably do a breakout on that someday. That's also why you have to be among the people. You're not discipling people if your ministry is only from a stage right? You're not living out your full calling and no one escapes that calling. Go and make disciples. There's not one person. I don't care if you're a pastor, evangelist, you know, teacher, prophet, apostle, everyone go and make disciples. No one is excluded from that. You can't make disciples if you're not among them, if you're not rubbing shoulders with them. That's what family's for. So in your church, it is healthy to understand your role. How does your leadership communicate? Do they have a leadership structure? Do Where are you at within that? Because it's good to honor it. It's good to know, okay, I'm just a worship leader in this context, right? You're not just a worship leader, but in the context of whatever structure they've created, it's important to honor that. Whether or not you feel like God has given you the best anointing since sliced bread to write songs for this church, it doesn't matter, right? Like there is a journey that you go on and many times people are not going to see what's on your life. They're not, they're not. So you can either be hurt by that or you can continue to steward it. I remember Chris Valentin teaching to us in school. And one of the things he used to say is, I knew I was called to preach. I knew I was called to speak to people, but I lived in a town of like 300 people. There was no one to preach to. So he'd go out to a picnic table with nobody and just start preaching to the trees. He wasn't preaching to the trees, but he was, he was stewarding the gift 
another one of my pastors said, if you feel called to stadiums, pray for the people that are going to fill it now. Like, that's how you know it's not about you. What are you stewarding now for what God's put on you for later? Right? You got to keep your well filled, right? And get the dirt out of it. Steward your time with him in the, in the secret place. And understand how you play a part in the church, right? Whether if you don't get to play a leadership role where you can actually introduce the songs or they're not open to that right now, don't start, don't stop writing for your church, right? Because you're meant to steward that. You're meant to steward that for the body of Christ, whether or not your church sees it or the people in your church see it. And God will honor that. He will honor that. Oh my gosh. And a good place to start, and this would be number five, would be understanding your church's identity and mission within the community, right? How is your church reaching your city? Do they have a mission statement? Do they have a core belief system, right? Always checking your songs, one against the Bible, against the word of God. Is it theologically sound, right? Holy Spirit, do you want me to write this? And then three, you can know if it's for your church, if it connects with what they've established is what they're about, right? One other thing, when you go to write songs and you're wondering like, how do I know there's a balance between emoting and then faith, right? Emoting what my experience is and then what is faith. We see David do it a lot in the Psalms, right? God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you? What the heck are you doing? You're the one who anointed me to be king, but here I am. I don't have my crown. Everyone's trying to kill me. What the heck? But I know, but I know, right? If you're doing a solo artist album, there's room on a song to not resolve. Probably not in a congregational worship setting unless the next song resolves it right? There's even in songwriting, if you're writing for the purpose of congregational worship, there's an art to putting songs together in a set, right? But this isn't song leading 101, it's songwriting. So that's, that's another topic for another day. But one check and balance for me with my songs is, are they theologically sound, right? When you are, when you're writing from a place of, most artists start with pain. Everyone, like, I think Jenny said it earlier, like most of the time, like is my journal going to be something my kids are able or want to read in 20, 25 years? I'm stealing that from Jenny. She, that's amazing wisdom from her, but it was so good. And I, it's kind of like our prayer life. Is that something God even wants to show up to? Like, is it like, oh my gosh, God always shows up and he's always waiting for us. But I just mean, you know what I'm saying? But Jesus Jesus is perfect theology. We were created in his image. We were created to create like he does. And then how do we know if we're living out that image? Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the... Exactly. He is perfect theology. If you see him doing it, that's great. A great resource for your songwriting. If it's something he's not doing that you've put in your song, probably not the best for a church worship song just putting that out there. He's the ultimate litmus test. He's the ultimate litmus test. One thing I would like to wrap up with, if your church is going to do an album, if you are like, say you have made it through the, okay, we have a songwriting culture and we're writing songs. I think something that's really important is when the album process comes in, that's when a lot of division comes in. Who's going to be on it? Who's singing on it? Who are the carriers of the voice of these songs, right? I think Tony said it best today. Like, are we serving or are we getting, right? It's so important to be a servant in those scenarios. And again, your leadership probably needs to be involved in in the expression of worship that's going on in the church if it's going to be healthy and last, right? It's very challenging to keep things pure when you're leading for the purpose of recording and recording to put out an album. I think many churches are called to do it. Many are not. The challenge you face, this doesn't mean you don't do it. 
But the challenge you face is your stage becoming a marketing tool. You go from Holy Spirit, what song should we sing today? And who should sing it? To, well, who's going to be on the album? Or what songs are going to be on the album? They need to be the ones leading songs this Sunday. Because we need to get the song out there in preparation for the release. Now, if God is really is calling you to do, like saying, go do that, then that is Holy Spirit answering you. But that tends to not be the case, right? It tends to be, we've invested money into this and we need to make it back, right? It's not even, we want to make a ton of money off of this for the purpose of getting rich. Because most of us know the music industry doesn't really get many people rich. And I would say most people in the church are deaf. That's normally not why they start writing songs and recording them, right? However, when money gets involved, it will always muddy the waters. It doesn't mean it's bad. It doesn't mean a creator shouldn't get paid for creating, but it is something, it's just a warning sign. It's a caution sign. When that starts happening in your church, if God forbid the songs take off, it could actually cause a church split, right? Like, so those are just some things like, is my, this stage is not a marketing tool. It doesn't mean you can't record something from your stage and put it on YouTube. But when your decisions about how you run your service and the way that you do life at your church is affected by money or why we do what we do is because we have to make money back, you normally tend to start to stop asking Holy Spirit, what should I do today? What song should I sing today? Who should be up there today? Right? So I would just, and that's not me talking badly about any one movement. That's just, I've been in the industry, specifically churches interacting with an industry that was not built for church. The industry requires that. The industry and copyright law requires business acumen and business intelligence and managing money. And if you're going to write a song, you as a writer are by law owed what money to a certain extent is made off of some of that, right? So, and then another little quick business thing is if you are on salary at a church, if they are paying you to write songs, the church owns those, not you. So that's really important to understand. Like you're getting paid in advance, basically within your salary and you're releasing your right to have control or, or ownership of royalties that come in for that song. So when you're writing at your church or you're writing using church facilities even can get challenging legally. So it needs to be, those are unfortunate things that most people don't know. They get down the process, they're about to record and then all of a sudden money starts coming in once they've released and the, like you get lamb blasted or the church is, is like, what's going on? Or you're like, what's going on? Because the church is doing this. So all those kinds of conversations up front, if your church is going to consistently release albums, they need to have an, a clear vision that they put out with an entertainment lawyer that can help guide them through the process. So anyway, hopefully this has helped in some way, shape or form. You guys are amazing. And I can stick around for a few minutes for any follow-up stuff. I hope that was as meaningful for you as it was for us. If you're a songwriter and you're resonating with any of what you heard today, we'd love to get to know you more and introduce you to some folks in our community. All of our podcast interviews and guest lectures come from either our Writing Club monthly breakouts or our annual Writing Worship Conference. Check out the show notes to learn how to get more involved with Writing Club, our mentorship taught by our founder, Chrissy Nordoff, or stuff we talked about in today's episode. Find us on Facebook at the Writing Worship Community, on Instagram at writingworship.co, and our website, writingworship.co. We love meeting new folks and supporting songwriters, so be sure to stop in, say hello, and get to know us a little bit. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. The times I've grown most as a songwriter are the times I've had mentors showing me the way. If you're looking to grow as a songwriter, we're now accepting applications for our Worship Songwriter Mentorship. Now, it's available only a few times each year. 
The Worship Songwriter Mentorship is a songwriting intensive that will help you craft impactful worship songs. It's a course created by Dove Award-winning and Grammy-nominated, drumroll here please, (laughs) our founder, pro songwriter Chrissy Nordoff. It's a small group community, and it's led by other songwriters over the course of nine weeks. It's an intensive course and a small group co-writing environment, and that means you'll be added to a special group of about 12 writers, give or take. Each group is led by experienced songwriters, some of them my dear, dear friends, and I've even gotten to lead a group or two. Rachel here, by the way. We love the church, and we love to champion fellow worship songwriters just like yourself. In this mentorship, you'll learn how to write songs for you and your congregation. You'll go deeper in your intimacy with Jesus. You'll get the tools needed to help craft songs more easily and never run out of creative ideas. Okay, I know it sounds too good to be true, but trust me, this course is a game changer. You'll learn how to leverage your unique songwriting personality and connect with other like-minded writers in a meaningful way. Truly, I can't think of another course, group of people, community that has impacted my songwriting the way that this mentorship has. If you're wanting to take the next steps in your songwriting journey, then apply now at the link in our show notes. We hope to see you there.